Hello, Oman Kudichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend, the UFC returns to pay-per-view for UFC 270. We've got two title fights at the top of this card. Francis Ngannou is fighting surreal gain. We've got the trilogy fight for Brandon Moreno and Davison Figueredo. There's all kinds of other great fights on this main card. But as those of you who frequent the show know, we won't be talking about any of those because this is the prelim primer where we are only focused on the early portion of this weekend's card. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show and asking, why just the prelims? Why not break down these awesome title fights or other great cards on the main or other great fights on the main card, that is? The answer is really simple. The answer is we know you know who Francis Ngannou is. We know you know who Michelle Pereira or Cody Stamen are. You wouldn't be listening to this show if you didn't. But we know you might have a little bit of trouble with the prelims, and that's where we're here to help because the prelims, there's lots of money to be won whether you're gambling, playing daily fantasy sports, or hey, maybe you just want to win that pick'em contest. But before we get going with this show and get you to those picks, I do have to let you know that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by the All-Star app. These days, there are more previews, recaps, analysis, and podcasts than you can even shake a stick at. It's far too much, and when you're looking to get the insight to give you an edge, it can be really hard to block out the noise from what really matters. And that's why you should download the All-Star app, because they provide you with expert commentary from some of the most respected names in the sports world, yours truly included, and all of that incredible content is packaged into an intuitive, fully interactive app right there in the palm of your hand for free. That's right, 100% free. There's also lots of great features on that All-Star app that I'll tell you about a little bit later on. But for right now, just go download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting the theallstar.io. Now, to break down these fights today with me, I am joined by frequent co-host of this show. You know him as at KCPKO on Twitter. I, of course, am talking about from the Fix Fights podcast, Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, thanks so much for joining me again. Always a pleasure, man. Always look forward to doing this. Thanks for uh, having me once again. All right. And as you guys know, we start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Tony Gravely versus Simon Oliveira. So Gravely had a two-fight winning streak, but he lost that back in September in a loss to Nate Manis. Really close back-and-forth fight, but he is coming off of that loss. Simon Oliveira, meanwhile, is coming off a win on the Contender Series. He beat Jose Alde by split decision. He's 18-3 and and will be making his UFC debut. So my question for you is, Tony Gravely, you know, an absolute physical machine, is Simon Oliveira going to be able to deal with that physical pressure that Tony Gravely brings? I think so, man. I was pretty impressed with Simon uh, Oliveira on the Contender Series. I watched back, I went back and watched some of his fights in preparation um, for this fight. He has pretty solid stand-up, but one thing I noticed, he's got some nasty um, front chokes that he's hit in uh, various different rounds. He's hit them early. He's hit them late. Um, so Gravely is going to have to be very weary if he does try to wrestle in this fight. On the feet, obviously, Gravely is a machine, but uh, Simon Oliveira is pretty damn solid, man. Yeah, I was impressed with him. There's actually a couple of people we're going to talk about who are on the Contender Series and maybe didn't look as great on the Contender Series as they've looked otherwise. You know, you can blame that on jitters or whatever you want, but he's one of them. I thought his submission game was really good. The other thing I will say about Gravely that that makes me at least a little bit tentative to pick him here is that gas tank-wise, because he is such like a block of solid muscle, he tends to fade a little bit. We saw it a little bit in the Brett Johns fight. We definitely saw it after he had absolutely poured it on Nate Manis 
But that being said, he was also dangerous in that Nate Manis fight. He had Manis virtually unconscious at the end of the first round, and Manis is no joke either. So, uh, obviously, this one is a weirdly close fight, I think, although the odds heavily favor Gravely. Who are you going with this one, and how are you picking him? I'm going to go with the underdog in uh, Sam and Oliveira. And if you look at Gravely's... Five of his seven losses are via submission. Like you said, he does tend to get tired. I think uh, Oliveira is going to have to weather the storm early, but I do think he is going to find a guillotine choke uh, mid-second round and uh, put Gravely away. I like that prediction, but I am going to actually differ with you on this one. I, I ever so slightly am going to take totally Gravely in this fight. If you're looking to bet... I would not bet on Tony Gravely because he's a large favorite in this fight, and I think Oliveira is a game dog. But ultimately, I think, like you said, that he, he's going to build up the early score, and as long as he stays away from that late submission, I think he wins a decision here. And that brings us to our second fight, which is Aliyah Tapuria versus Charles Jourdain. Tapuria, 3-0 in the UFC. He's coming off that nasty knockout of Ryan Hall back in July. Jourdain fought just a month ago with a pretty damn good decision victory over Andre Ewell. Obviously, we haven't seen Topuria against, like, a real mean striker, and I, I don't know necessarily that Jordan is that either, especially without having a full fight camp here, but how do you feel like Topuria is going to deal with a more striking-based fighter like Jordan? I think he's going to be able to really open it up, man. I mean, props to Jordan on, uh, you know, the cojones to take this fight. I mean, Topuria is a stud, but uh, I think he's going to be able to open it up a bit. I mean... Again, props to, to Jordan. He's got something to lose here, but, uh, man, I, I'm very, very high in Tapori, especially after that Ryan Hall fight. I think the dude is the absolute truth. Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. And I'll say this, too. You're right. He's got nothing to lose. That's why you take this fight, right? Like, it's a chance to jump wildly up in the division when otherwise you would never get this type of fight. But Aliyah Tapuria, for, for those who are only remembering his last two wins, which was the knockout over Ryan Hall and the knockout over David Jackson— he actually won his debut over Yusuf Zalal by, with takedowns in phenomenal top pressure. Like, the guy is also an amazing grappler. I kind of expect him to use that a little bit here against Charles Jourdain, too. Sure, he could definitely open up the striking and let it go a little bit more, too, but I would not be surprised to see him give a well-rounded game plan and sort of just beat Charles Oliveira everywhere. So, I'm agreeing with you. He's the truth. How do you got him winning this fight? Yeah, I think I think he just pretty much sums it up, man. I think he's got probably has the advantage everywhere. He does have a uh, great grappling. He is a great striker. I'm gonna go with Toporia. I think he gets him out of there in the first round via strikes. I, I think. Yeah, I'm good. gonna backfire, but again, the cojones on that man to take this fight. Yeah, I'm gonna go with him as well, but I'm gonna take him by first round submission. I think he gets it done on the mat, and uh, probably locks up like a rear naked choke after just absolutely out-positioning him. And that brings us to our last fight in the first round, which is Jack Della Maddalena versus Pete Rodriguez. Della Maddalena, 10-2 making his debut. He beat Angelusa by unanimous decision back in September on the Contender Series. An absolute banger of a fight. Rodriguez, meanwhile, 4-0, making a short-notice debut. But all four of those fights were first-round knockouts in the Icon promotion, so... If you've gotten to see any of Pete Rodriguez, which there's not a lot out there on him, he's a huge swinger. The guy throws absolute bombs. But my question for you is, how does that play against somebody like Jack Della? <sighs> Jack Della is solid, man. Again, yeah, there's not, I mean, there's not a ton of tape on Rodriguez, especially with uh, all four, you know, finishes in the first round. Um, a lot more to watch on uh, Jack Della. That's a fun name to say, by the way. Say Jack <laughs> Della. Um, man, he, he's solid. I believe he lost two early fights. And he's rattled off like 10 wins in a row. The guy, the guy is a stud. Um, 
Again, you never know a guy, kind of like we just talked about in the last fight, a guy taking a fight on short notice, a guy with big power, a guy with nothing to lose. Um, I favor Jack Della here, but man, I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up in a firefight with, uh, you know, possibly Pete Rodriguez coming out on top. Yeah, he's got knockout power, and that that's kind of his one avenue to victory here for me. But I think Jack Della is pretty smart at, like, avoiding strikes. I, I think his footwork looked good. I actually think the guy he just fought, Angelusa, is a better striker than Pete Rodriguez. And I also think in the limited uh, amount of film I got to see on Pete Rodriguez, that dude leaves himself open to counters all the time. He is just throwing from his ass every single time. So I'm going to take Jack Della Maddalena here. I'm going to say he gets a knockout in the first round. How about you? I'm, I'm going with the same thing, man. If you look on, you know, Jack Jack's record too, he's got all, you know, all finishes aside from that one uh, contender series fight. These guys are going to be throwing the bungalows. I think uh, Jack Della gets him out of there though. All right, and that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number two. All right, guys, one of my favorite features of the All-Star app, it's got to be the player bios. Say you're looking to do a little research on an upcoming fight between Cody Stamen and Sednar Nurmagomedov. Well, all you're going to do is you're going to click on that fight, which is super easy to find in their scores tab, and not only are you going to get when the fight is happening, but you'll get opening and current lines, showing you how it's moving based on where the Sharps are betting. Plus, you also get it for the overs and unders, too. So you're getting tons of information, one nice, neat little spot. But it's not even just betting lines. It's far more than that. They've got full records dating back to their debuts, in the pros, even on the regional circuit, and so much more information. Just go download the All-Star app in the Google Play Store or the App Store, or by visiting theallstar.io. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Rayoni Barcelos versus Victor Henry. So Barcelos won his first five fights in the UFC, but most recently lost a majority decision to Timur Valiev. That was back in June. Henry, meanwhile, 21-5 making his debut. He's beaten UFC veterans like Albert Morales and Kyler Phillips, uh, the former of which he beat back in October for his most recent fight. Now, if you've gotten a chance to see Henry, another kind of late notice replacement, although depending on when you see this fight as being booked, he's a little bit of a madman as well. Is there any chance he can suck Barcelos into kind of a firefight like that and bring it into his realm? Man, he is a madman. Uh, the guy's thought I don't think so. Barcelos, Barcelos is really freaking solid, man. Again, like, last loss, lost his last fight to Team Rebellion, which no... You know, at least you know, I just think Barcelos is going to be able to um, control him. He has big power, and Barcelos is a stud on the ground. I believe uh, Victor Henry comes from a a wrestling catch wrestling background as mm-hmm. well. Um, if he does get takedowns, you know, or gets wrapped up in grappling exchanges, I, I tend to favor Barcelos in in that realm. Yeah, he he comes from. I, I believe he's trained under Josh Barnett or with Josh Barnett for a, a good period of time, so he does have that catch wrestling background. But the other thing I will say is I've noticed a lot of his fights, he throws a lot of kicks and, like, naked kicks with no backup behind it, which for me is either going to get countered with a big punch from Barcelos or Barcelos does a pretty good job of catching kicks and turning them into takedowns too. So, yeah, if, if it winds up on the ground, I like Barcelos. If it stays on the feet, as long as he avoids the big blow, I like Barcelos too. So I guess then the only question for us is whether or not we think he's going to get the finish. How about you? I don't think he's going to get the finish, but I think he is going to put on a, a relatively um, dominant performance. I'll take him by decision. I'll agree with you on that one, too. I'll take him by decision. 
And that brings us to our second fight of the second round, which is Michael Morales versus Trevin Giles. Morales, 12-0, making his debut. He beat Nikolay Veritenikov on the Contender Series in September by unanimous decision. Giles, meanwhile, had a three-fight win winning streak, but he got knocked out cold by Dreykus Duplesis back in July. So... My question for you in this is we've got Trevin Giles coming down in weight. He's now going to fight at welterweight, which maybe is a better suited division for him. But he's fighting a hyper-athletic guy in 22-year-old Michael Morales. Who do you see winning a physicality fight here if this winds up in the clinch? It's always it's always tough when guys, uh, you know, go down, especially a guy like Giles. who I, I wouldn't call Giles a... a small middleweight you know the guy the guy's a he's, he's a relatively big dude um like you said morales is super hyper aggressive um man i would probably favor giles just because the experience level is there i mean we, we saw morales on the contender series he looks solid but giles i mean if you go down his record it's been in there with some studs i mean that roman delize win was super impressive um i would favor giles uh, in the clinch but Man, Morales is is good. This is this is honestly one of the fights I have circled as as one of my favorites on the prelims. Yeah, it's one of my favorites too. And in it, it's interesting because I I do think you're right. I think it might slightly favor Trevin Giles in the clinch if it is there. But the other thing is, is Morales has got a huge reach advantage. I think I saw he's gonna have like five inches of reach here in this fight, which is pretty substantial. And he he's fights very long. But also, like, when it is in the clinch, he almost accepts it being in the clinch. So you sort of have to wonder about, like, a game plan of a 22-year-old against, like you said, a guy who's been in there with killers. Like, I, I mean, like, Gerald Mearshart, he grappled with Gerald Mearshart for a while. Maybe not the best idea, but he did for a little while. And we've got to wonder what a weight cut looks like for him. So many different factors here, but we've reached that point where I need a prediction. Who do you got in this one, and how do you got him? I'm going to go Giles. Again, just, just the experience... I think is there. Um, I think the weight class change might suit him well. Um, but again, he's been, he's been stopped before. Uh, all three of his losses are by stoppage. Morales is a stud. Uh, I'm going to go with Giles by decision, but I think he is going to have to weather some storms in this fight to get it done. And I'm going to differ with you in this one again. I, I I'm going to say he doesn't weather those storms because Morales, man, I, I've been impressed by what he's able to do. And in a relatively short period of time, although I guess he's, been a pro for six years despite only being 22 years old so i'm gonna go with morales i'm gonna say he gets the stoppage uh late in the fight we'll say a third round stoppage here and that brings us to our last fight of the second round which is vanessa demopoulos versus silvana gomez juarez demopoulos lost to jj aldrich in her august debut by decision juarez got subbed by lupita Ganinez in her october debut by armbar so uh, obviously in her last fight juarez looked pretty bad grappling she did not look good my question for you, is Demopolis good enough to take advantage of those issues with Juarez? I do think so. Uh, Demopolis is a very solid grappler. She's actually been doing some grappling bouts um, outside of the UFC. Uh, she fought in like, the uh, Medusa EBI female tournament. Um, she has good grappling. And again, like, yeah, uh, Silva is not the best grappler. And if you look down her record, every time she has... Uh, or I should say Juarez, Silviana Juarez. Uh, she every time she stepped up, you know, to Peter Gonzalez, Ariana Lipsky, Paulina Botello, she's lost. Um, I do think this is another step up. I, I'm still kind of high on Vanessa Demopoulos, so I'm gonna go with Demopoulos. Um, I do think she's gonna be able to get her down and submit her via rear naked choke. 
Yeah, and I, I'm high on Demopolis, but although I do think she needs to make gains in her striking, luckily for her, I just think this is a fight where her striking isn't going to be tested all that much. She's going to yeah. be able to get that takedown early. And like you said, I, I'll take her by a rear naked choke, too. I'll say uh, Juarez survives into the second round, but she gets her then. And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number three. All right, guys, one last thing that I really love about the All-Star app, and that's their news feed. If you're the type of person who gets your sports news from social media, you got to stop doing that and instead read the All-Star app because they use a proprietary algorithm that only brings you the highest quality sports news, and you can personalize that feed so that you only get the news that you care about. And that's wicked awesome because let's face it, who wants to dig through all the trash when you can just get the best stuff right there in the palm of your hands? I know you're going to love it, so go ahead and download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting the allstar.io. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Matt Frivola versus Gennaro Valdez. So Frivola is on a two-fight losing streak. He lost to Armand Sarkurian and Terrence McKinney, the latter of which was in June in only in a few seconds. Valdez, meanwhile, 10-0, making his debut. He comes to us by way of the Contender Series back in October where he knocked out Patrick White. So my question for you is that Valdez, if you look at him when he was on the regional circuit and a little bit on the contender series, he's absolutely relentless with his takedown attempts. He goes takedown attempt after takedown after attempt after a takedown after attempt. Is that going to spell disaster when debuting against somebody like Matt Frabola? Yeah, dude, I, I saw some of Valdez's fights. The guy is just, he is relentless. He is a ball of energy. Um, Obviously, Favola again. This is this is another you know guy, relatively unknown, stepping up against a guy that has a ton of experience. Um, Favola is a solid grappler and solid wrestler. Um, it's hard to call, man. You know, Terrence McKinney that loss was extremely ugly, and then Armin Saryukian is just an absolute stud. Um, I, I I think the pace is honestly going to make a difference, though, it's, especially if he can keep up. I should say, if he can keep up the pace. Making his debut on the big stage, I do think it is going to be a factor in this fight, um, and I do favor Valdez. But again, Fabola is no joke. I I do agree with you on that. I think if Valdez can put a pace on him, it's going to make a big difference, especially in the grappling department. Because we saw, if you go back, and I I, granted this this fight is a while ago, but if you go back to Matt Fabola's win over Luis Violent Bob Ross Pena, he wrestled quite a bit early in the fight. And even just at the end of the first round, Pena scores a takedown. And Pena was not a great wrestler when he was at the UFC or even before that. But he scores a takedown on Matt Frivola almost just based on exhaustion. And that was when Matt Frivola spent most of the round attacking. So if Matt Frivola spends a bunch of the round defending a takedown, I can only imagine what that looks like for Valdez. And I I think we saw a little bit of it with Sakuria. Now, granted, Sakuria, much better wrestler than Gennaro Valdez. But I think he can replicate that game plan enough that he can get enough done and probably win a decision over here over Frivola. And and that's what I'm going to predict here. I'm going to take Gennaro Valdez. I'll say by decision. How about you? I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he if he does wear him out and gets him out of there late. I'm going to just differ and say Valdez via third-round stoppage. Um, I think he's going to be able to take him down, wear him out, and then uh, finish via ground and pound. All right, and that brings us to our last fight, which is another exciting one that involves another Contender Series veteran, and that's Kay Hansen versus Jasmine Dudovicius. So Hansen, one and one in the day in the UFC, she debuted against Jin Frey, 
who she beat, but then lost to Corey McKenna in kind of a controversial decision in her second fight. Jazuda Vicious is 6-1. She's making her debut. She beat Julia Palastri on the Contender Series back in September by unanimous decision. So the interesting factor for me in this one is Kay Hansen has made the decision to go up to flyweight. This fight's going to happen at 125 pounds. That'll be her first fight at 125 pounds in the UFC. What do you think of her decision to change weight classes here? I don't know if it's the right call because I don't. Again, I don't think she was like the the biggest straw weight, and I think her path to victory is going to be the grappling. Right? She's an excellent mm-hmm. grappler. Um, I think her striking needs a lot of work. So I don't know how it's going to play out. Um, again, we'll see. Uh, you know, I didn't. I don't know if she was having trouble making weight or she just needed a fresh start. But um, you know, a girl that is, I would say, reliant on her grappling going up is a little bit worrisome. Yeah, I I agree with you entirely. I I think ultimately it will wind up being a not-so-good plan because you you look at the people who are on the edge of the top 15 at flyweight, too. You're talking about the Aaron Blanchfields and the Miranda Mavericks of the world. And like, good luck getting them down. (laughs) Yeah, right. I don't like her chances to take those people down. And even if you move like a little bit further up, there's some scary names in there with some pretty good wrestling. So I I worry that it's not maybe the best long-term plan. But now here's the question. Is, it, is she still good enough at wrestling and still physical enough at wrestling to deal with Jasuda Vicious? I I tend to think so. Uh, again, uh, Jasmine Jasuda Vicious is, I think, going to be clearly a, a better striker. Um, so I think Kay Hansen is going to have to go to the grappling uh, relatively early. I'm going to predict she is going to be able to get her down and get takedowns in the three rounds when she needs to. I think she's going to, again, she's going to have to weather the storm a bit on the feet. But I like her ever so slightly to be able to ground Jasuda Vicious when she needs to and grind out a decision. I agree with you entirely. I th- I would say the only one thing that gives me hesitation on picking her by decision, because I think she is going to get her down. I think her grappling is good enough here. I worry a little bit that she gets a little too risky on the mat looking for submissions sometimes. She did so with uh, Corey McKenna, and it ultimately, I think, cost her the fight. And with Jasuda Vicious, who has kind of decent top control once she gets there, I think that that could be a problem because she could wind up in bad positions for the majority of this fight. But ultimately, I think the difference maker is as long as she holds those positions, she doesn't get too crazy. I think she definitely wins all three rounds here. So I'm going to take Kay Hansen by decision as well. And that's going to do it for the end of our third round. We gave you eight fights in just a little bit over 15 minutes. We hope you guys enjoyed this breakdown. Once again, you can follow my co-host, Kurt Chase Patrick, at KCPKO on Twitter. And you can follow his podcast, at FixFightsPod, on Twitter as well. Kurt, thanks so much for the time, man. Always a pleasure, man. Enjoy the fights. And uh, I can't wait to do it again. (laughs) 